Hello again from Agile Coffee Land. So I have a question for you. What's the number that comes after 12 and before 14? If you answered 12B, you are correct. This is our 12Bth episode. Uh, someone can't count, and 13 is either out of their vernacular or maybe just a little bit superstitious. Sit back, relax, and enjoy this new fresh brew of Agile Coffee, episode 12B. Welcome back to Agile Coffee. This will be episode 12. B. I'm excited because fall is here. The smell of fall is in the air. It's back <laughs> to school time, all of the above. Uh, today, John and I are joined by a couple of guests, so I'll go ahead and introduce who's here. Across from me today, I have Mr. Dale Ellis. Welcome back. Dale can be reached on Twitter at the Digital Dale. That's at the Digital Dale. Good morning, Dale. Hi. Also with us today, we have Mr. Larry Lawhead. Good morning, Larry. Good morning. Larry can be reached at on email at lawhead5, the number 5, at hotmail.com. Mr. John Jorgensen is to my right. Good to be back on this beautiful, auspicious Saturday morning. So John can be reached on Twitter at waterscrumbon. That's all one word, at waterscrumbon. Okay, it is our first time back for a little while, but as I said, fall is in full swing right now. We've got a lot of opens going on and other Agile-related events that are local and regional coming up. That's pretty exciting. Uh, Today we've got a number of topics on our table, so that's also exciting. I'm going to uh, spend the first little while reading through some of these topics and having whoever wrote the topic go ahead and give me just a capsule summation uh, before we go on to voting. Sound okay? I'm in. Sounds great. Okay. So first we have, how is Scrum used in construction? That's mine. I've heard about this, and I've uh, understood that one of the the second most popular application for agile techniques outside of the software industry prior to the downturn in the economy in 2008 was construction Hmm. Uh, and i was just curious to find out if anyone had any knowledge of that and because it seems like one of the least likely things to use agile or some kind of an iterative process in but apparently it was it was very popular sounds good next card says tools over peeps that's my card so lately i've been thinking about the ways that tools control processes and people Uh, which I think is unintended or um, perhaps not ideal. Sounds good. We have building confidence with end users. Yeah, I find myself uh, in a company where I'm introducing the enterprise to uh, scrum practices, and I noticed that there was a disconnect between the end users and the developers, and there was a lot of bad blood, if you will. And uh, so I've been trying to introduce scrummed in a way where I can tell both sides we can relax now. Uh, this is an iterative process. If we don't get it right the first time, we'll get it right the second time. And I mailed, I don't know how many times I've sent little emails, little messages uh, about trusting each other. We all are on the same boat and it's actually working. And I'm very all excited right. about that. Great. Congrats. Very good. 
Uh, next up is product owner and team. Yeah, that's mine as well. Um, there's situations where a product owner comes, and again, it's just because we're new at this scrum thing as an enterprise, uh, the the product owner will come and talk directly with the developer and he's busy with something else and he gets sidetracked on this and then chaos ensues and you mm-hmm. can't keep your timelines you know and then basically your uh, your whole your whole process is interrupted next we have introducing organization to scrum yeah that's again my <laughs> i thought if anybody out there has any tips i am really really ready to listen core scrum is the next card that's mine, and this is about looking at Scrum from its most, I guess you could say, basic element, its most basic form without any kind of ornamentation or embellishment. Next we have Estimating 2.0, Pachinko, and a bunch of other words on there. Yeah, those are four buckets, so I've attempted a new form of estimating um, yesterday. Okay. with a team that it seems it worked very well in terms of return on investment for the time. I'm intrigued by Pachinko. So mm-hmm. looking forward to that and these other cards that we have in front of us. So we at Agile Coffee Podcast follow the rules of Lean Coffee, which were kind of created by a few guys up in the Pacific Northwest a couple of years back, whereby we use a Kanban board. We've got our cards already written out. And now what we'll do next is we'll take our markers, and since there's four of us, we'll give... Probably four votes each. You can put your dots. We'll be using dot voting. So you can put your dots on the cards, either four on one card or spread them out, one here, two there, one there, however you'd like. After we do our prioritization, then we'll go ahead and stack the cards uh, with the most dots on top. We'll take the first card and we'll move it to the doing column. We'll talk about it for five minutes. We've got a timer today, uh, a cube timer, so you may hear the beeping going off. At the end of five minutes, we'll do what's called Roman voting with our thumbs, either thumbs up saying, I like this topic, let's keep going, or thumbs down saying, I'm through with it. And then we will uh, dem- democratically decide what, how long we want to talk about any given topic. Uh, move that to the done column once it is done, and move the next priority card in. So with that, gentlemen, let's go ahead and start our voting. So we've got our cards all prioritized, and we're ready to go. All right. So you'll be timing us, John, five minutes. Five minutes, yeah. All right, the first topic today is estimating 2.0. Okay, so I came up with a new estimation game with uh, the PO, co-worker. We We have a team that is currently working on a lot of stories that are extremely technical and abstract and very new technology, so long conversations spin up during our backlog grooming meeting and we asked ourselves what could we do to kind of get the benefits the the highest ROI get the most the most estimating done in the least amount of time and call it quits on stuff that we can't reasonably estimate so what we came up with was this idea where we would put these these large stickies on the wall and they would describe a modified Fibonacci sequence, so, you know, 1, 3, whatever it was, 5, 8, 13, 20, 40, 100. And then below that, we have these four buckets. The four buckets are not no progress, emergible, spike, and sized. And then we took the stickies, standard size stickies, and just wrote user story and then the number 
or defect in the number, and we put them above the the Fibonacci number sequence. So it goes user story number stickies at the top, then the Fibonacci sequence, then the buckets. So we're going to have a photo of this on the website because uh, it's pretty visual. Go to agilecoffee.com slash episode 12, B, and, uh, and you'll see a picture. But, but basically, if I can repeat what you're saying, is we've got the larger sticky notes, which are 5 by 7 or so, mm-hmm. and, and you put the story points in big, bold letters on that and spread that across the room. Then you've got the standard-sized stickies, which hold the, the user stories. So what's the rest of it like, then? So we make these rules about the time box similar to Agile Coffee. We say, okay, so we pull one sticky off of the backlog and we start a conversation at five minutes. And anybody can talk about it. We don't have to play planning poker. I basically just have somebody pull the sticky off of the top row and then walk around and put the sticky kind of in front of different numbers in the Fibonacci sequence to kind of start people's minds thinking about, well, what size is this? So this is the time cube. And then what they'll do is start talking about, well, I need to know A, B, or C in order to actually say with confidence. And that's where you know the conversation starts to blossom. If we blow through our five-minute conversation, then I roll the cube over to three. If we blow through that three minutes, then we roll it over to two. If we blow through those two minutes, we roll over to one. And at the end of one, we've used 11 minutes to talk about it. Hmm. At 11 minutes, if we haven't reached a firm understanding, at least enough to size the story, then it either goes into a no-progress bucket, which Hmm. means we don't know anything more about it than when we started talking 11 minutes ago. Or we say, you know what, if we just had a spike, like a one-point spike, we would have enough information to size it. Then, it. then we take that sticky and put it under the bucket that says spike. I get it now. This is all making sense. So if you've ever seen a, a Japanese pachinko game, uh-huh. you start with the um, – it's like Plinko in, in uh, The Price is Right, right? <laughs> yeah. Where you start with the, the ball up at the top and it kind of plink plinks on the pegs and goes to a bucket at the bottom. So that's kind of visually what's going on here. Yep. Um, I like that. I like this idea. Yeah. Um, and you, like you said, you've got either no progress or it's sizable or it's a spike. What's the emergible? So the emergible is if we think that, you know, let's just age it like fine wine in the product backlog. And after two or three sprints, we can see that what's going to come up through the backlog into our sprints is going to get us enough around the problem space that we're likely to get insights. We don't know what they'll be. But we think we're likely to get insights in a couple of sprints, so we'll have a number soon enough. That's the way it works. And we got a lot more done. We got way more stickies finished than we ever had before in this genre of unknown work. So that's pretty much all there is to it. But yeah. I'm, I'm interested in you know improving it. And I, I, I use something similar. I don't use the bottom row, the spike and the emergible and the size and no progress, but that's a great addition to it. I, I can't imagine now not using something like that. Um, or at least you know I'll give it a try because it sounds like a, a reasonably um, effortless kind of thing to do. Um, the, go back to the time box, though. You say it's yeah. 11 minutes per story? Yeah, seems, maximum. Uh, it seems, oh, it's a maximum, so yeah. it's a time box. Uh-huh. So, of course, we don't, we don't use any extra time than we need. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just that this time cube has exactly um, five numbers on it, zero, no, zero, one, two, three, five. 
And we figured, well, we we know we we had like about ten stories that we were hoping to size in about an hour, mm. and if we went much longer than about eleven minutes, it, we would we'd run out of our our time for the meeting. Okay. So that's kind of what it's about. It's pretty interesting. Well, that'll bring us to our next topic. Then uh, up next, we have how is Scrum used in construction. That sounds like a pretty interesting application of Scrum. Yeah, that was a question that I had because uh, I understood that uh, prior to the downturn in the economy, the second most popular application of Scrum uh, from some consultants that I'd talked to was used in the construction industry. And it's also and it's one of the hardest things for me to visualize how that works because it seems like the kind of thing that would be lend itself only to a waterfall kind of a process. So I was uh, curious as to anyone who had uh, any experience or knowledge of that to see how that really works. I've heard only, well, what I remember is being a, a conversation about a hypothetical. Thank you. Uh, I was at the International Association of Facilitators where David Spann, who actually facilitated the, the writing of the Agile Manifesto, told me about uh, building skyscrapers or business offices where the tenants actually move in and begin occupying ground floors or or lower-level floors as they're still putting the girders up to create future higher levels. And the feedback that they get from the lower-level tenants is used to revise designs for higher-level floors. I'm reading this this book that we got, um, it's uh, by Jeff Sutherland, one of the co-creators of Scrum. And the new book is called Scrum, The Art of Doing Twice the Work in Half the Time. And in that chapter, in that uh, area where he's talking about doing twice the work in half the time, he says that what that's what makes Scrum so revolutionary, is that you can get so much done. Um, Scrum alters the way that you think about time. And one example that he used there pertains to something like the construction in- industry. He says that He's got a friend who was uh, remodeling his house, his whole house, in six weeks. And if you've ever had a remodeling project, you know it's never going to take you know, s- the same time that you estimate in advance at the same cost you estimate. And so he was laughed at by many people, but he said, no, I'm going to be doing it using Scrum. And what he did was he, he got all the contractors together so that every morning they had a, a stand-up out by the, the contracting van, and if if you can believe it or not, they got it done in exactly six weeks to the day. His neighbor down the street did like the equivalent project, and it took him four times as long at you know four times the budget. So wow. it's amazing that that you can use Scrum in those kind of applications, but it's just an idea of getting everyone on the same page and and talking to each other. So really, just using the stand up alone had that big of an impact. Is is that what you're saying? Or were there other elements of Scrum that, that you was built in? that was the bottom line for this short example in the book? And um, mm-hmm. and if you do get the book, it's it's really wonderful. Um, to have. So I mean, we say just the stand up, but that's about transparency and accountability, right? When you have a people that you've contracted to do some work, and they tell you what they did yesterday what did we do today, and what are the impediments that we face, I guess somehow things just wind up going around along better, You're right? just eliminating all the waste, all that transaction cost between teams in, in his case. So, uh, Dale, I'm going to pass this on to you, and you can uh, check it out. It's on page 82 if anyone's looking okay. at, the, at the book. But 
Um, anyone yeah. else see any applications in it? What I was looking at was there are certain processes that are in that are overall in the construction thing. I mean, you can't you. There's not a lot you can do when you've got a building halfway finished to say it's especially something like a skyscraper. It's like you can't decide if you're building a 20-story skyscraper, That's oh, true. we're going to build a 30. It's like you can't do that. It changes the foundation and everything. It changes the architecture and what you build, make the building out of and everything like that. And there are also processes where like pouring cement, I mean, it, it you have to plan out things like that fairly long in advance because there are lead times, there's drying times for things like that. So there are things in construction where, you know, in my mind, having a, an experience and a background for, for several years in, in doing waterfall-style things, it's like, well, I understand how that fits into that model particularly well. But it's like, you know, how do those how do you do those kinds of things in, in within a scrum framework? But But... And I know that's a uh, it's kind of a topic that you'd almost need to like have some maybe somebody who who is like a specialist in that and has actually done it. I understand there are there are some academic papers out there uh, on uh, that are available on on this topic. I was hoping to and if anybody's got any uh, suggestions, they can send me on some good little short synopses of it. I'd love to see it. So that reminds me to remind our listeners to reach out to us on Twitter using the hashtag tell agile coffee and go ahead and let us know if you've got any examples of scrum being used in construction um fascinating i can imagine like conferences now being set up for the construction industry to introduce scrum and and lean topics and probably they've been doing it before you know in in smaller parts lean here and there eliminating waste Um, i would think that coding and paperwork like the bureaucracy of building Mm -hmm. something getting your plans submitted to a a city or a government would probably be a real big sticking point uh, in an iterative process and that is an actual application it's the sales or i I would assume marketing function of a construction company that has implemented the stand-up and iterations to kind of get a competitive edge in the bidding process brings us to the end of the topic and uh, we will go ahead and move on so our next card says building confidence with end users larry that's yours right yeah like i said i'm uh in the process of introducing a an organization to uh scrum and uh i moved into a situation where it's not untypical in, in the software industry you've got end users running off to um developers saying no that's not what i wanted and the developer goes yes that's what you wanted and Mm -hmm. and the communication breaks down and and more importantly the trust breaks down and i Mm -hmm. had a long talk with the product owner uh because they had already implemented scrum partially into the organization and he was just totally ready to throw in the towel Mm -hmm. uh what he wanted is not getting done. Developers were just totally on edge also, and, and, and I'm not exaggerating. And what happens is, you know, you, you have end users beginning to mm-hmm. doubt the, the technical knowledge of your developers, and how are they supposed to know? They don't know what a array is or, mm-hmm. <laughs> or a class. They have no idea. They have no idea what a database is even, mm-hmm. uh, let alone how to construct one mm-hmm. or how to rationalize it. And so... Um, what what I did was I first of all set some ground rules and I sent it off in an email, maybe a little too verbose, possibly, but I really wanted to make a point here. Mm-hmm. We all are on the same page here. Mm-hmm. I put it in writing also because I wanted them to be able to go back and reflect on it. It was like a document. This is our our 
declaration of independence, basically, <laughs> from, from all this frustration. Mm-hmm. We trust each other because we have the same goals in mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have specialties that we respect. Mm-hmm. And these are the assumptions that we have to go on or we won't be able to get this, get this product or improve this product. Mm-hmm. And over the, the week that I emphasized that, actually it was about two weeks, I began to see, <coughs> excuse me, I began to see the <coughs> tension lower. And at the end of the two-week period, roughly, and it wasn't strategically mapped out to be two weeks, but it took about two weeks, uh, a couple of de- developers came to me and said, boy, ever since you've been here, it's been a lot more fun. Nice. nice. <laughs> yes. yeah. And then uh, I've been working with the product owner who was really, like I said, on edge, and he wrote me back in response to one of my emails on my declaration declaration of independence from frustration here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he said, that's been my problem. I haven't trusted uh, the process. And I said, well, let's work on it together, and let's, let's make this process work for us. Yep. And I've been working really hard over the last week and a half or two with him, and I noticed that his stress level's gone down. Mm-hmm. He's more relaxed. And when he's more relaxed, he can actually be, be a better product owner. Yeah. He can get those stories to us. He can get those business concepts to us, and we have this interaction. So I think it's important in this situation for the Scrum Master not to be intimidated mm-hmm. by all the chaos. And I've been in software development long enough to know, and my, my, my kids are in software development. We often mm-hmm. talk about this when we're together. And it, it's easy to doubt the intentions of the other person. Yeah. And so that's where I put my emphasis, and it actually worked out quite well for us. Now we have a foundation mm-hmm. that we can build on to, to continue introducing Scrum practices into this organization. So it's been a really good story for me. There's two side conversations I want to have. One is like you've got kids in software, so I wonder what the <laughs> conversations are like when you have Thanksgiving dinners and stuff okay. like that. That's a topic for another day. It's fun. And also you said something in your e- you referred to your email as your declaration of independence from frustration and I just acronymed it to diff. You know, what's oh, the like diff? And I'm like <laughs> Yeah, you gotta do a blog post on that, man. <laughs> well yeah, any comments on the feedback? Well the the first thing that I'm thinking as I'm listening to this story is it's people's interactions that kind of broke out from the fear cycle you know the the more we we fear the more we shut down like you're saying like our creative capacity starts to shrink and then you know we you know when you lose that confidence then that last thing you want to do is start opening your mouth and maybe setting off a large disagreement and so the ability to say hey you know we really are aligned to the same goals and and the more you talk about it i think then people start thinking okay so we're not really at odds with each other this isn't a zero sum game and you know i don't know if end users are involved but when you can reach out to an end user with the same kind of conversation to say you know um we're about to create something that doesn't exist yet and that's a that's a challenge because software isn't like a manufacturing line. It doesn't mm-hmm. you don't stamp out new instances of software; they're invented. So, so yeah, I think that um, the psychology around invention is the biggest determining factor. And you've you've stumbled onto something that really works. We should bear that in mind. 
Was this solely a communication and trust problem, or were there any were there any circumstances that were causing this breakdown of communication? Were there techniques or practices in place that were contributing to it? And what did you do? Speci- did you do anything specifically? other than tell everybody to relax and, and calm down and trust each other, uh, specific techniques or things that you applied to improve that communication between the product owner and the developers to get them to, I, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming, that, that to get them to build something closer to what they had envisioned. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, it's kind of interesting that you use the word process or, um, uh, b- because it, wasn't, it was more habits than anything else. When you get into this mindset of aggression, you get into this, and aggression is probably a too strong of a word, but you get into this negative mindset where I really don't like these guys, they're a bunch of eggheads, and I heard one person just in, in passing in my first week going, and he's still with the company, he was talking with one of our best developers, I go, oh my goodness, you know what happens there, if you if you make the developer angry, he'll leave, and then mm-hmm. good luck at finding another guy like right. that, you know, it's hard, even especially local, yeah. uh, and to, to make this more complicated, the scenario even more interesting Mm -hmm. this team is distributed across four different countries oh that's even tougher yeah and and we have one of our product owners in india another one is in new york city and we were developing the software here in orange county so oh boy so i so it was basically trying to find a common commonality what do we have in common we we like this industry and so i began to say this is a fun industry online brand protection are you kidding me this is the best thing since I don't know why we're 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 online marshals. We're you know yeah. tracking down the bad guys. So it gave him kind of a uh, a vision that wasn't so static, wasn't so institutional. And then I began to build on that, build on that fun. You know, this is fun. Let's uh, let's get some requirements from the uh, product owner. Product owner, what do you think of this? And in this less tense, less institutionalized environment, we built on fun. We were able to loosen people's minds up. So the developers are actually writing better code. At least I, it looks like it to me. I don't do their code reviews or anything, but the lead developer now is, is a lot more happy with the, with the results of what the team's coming up with. We do have a few less bugs. We've got a ways to go on that, but yeah. this, we're still working on it. Re- so Related to the, the distributed team concept, in a former uh, company, I was working with a colleague who yeah, uh, basically just um, was reading a book about Scrum or soft, software development teams using Agile. And the, the, the main thrust of the book was that you have to believe that your other distributed team members are doing the best that they can. Yeah, Trust exactly. Them. Yeah. Yep. All right. Fantastic topic. And, and that topic is just an example of one of these cards that we can talk about for a whole two hours. Um, amazing stuff. But unfortunately, that's all the time we have for this episode of Agile Coffee. Again, feel free to check out our show notes online at agilecoffee.com slash episode 12. B. And uh, we'll put any links to books or, or follow-up discussions on on that page as well. I want to thank our guests today. We've got uh, Dale Ellis, who can be reached on Twitter at the Digital Dale, Larry Lawhead, whose email is lawhead five, the number five, at hotmail.com, and John Jorgensen uh, at Water Scrum Bond. 
please reach out to me. Yeah, thanks a lot, guys. And and we're asking all of you listeners to reach out to us by using the hashtag on Twitter, Ask Agile Coffee, or tell Agile Coffee to become part of the conversation and uh, have your own little cup of coffee during this time. Agile Coffee. 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 Coffee.